Well, amen. Man, it is so good to be here with you guys. It really is. I um, mean, I've heard fantastic things about this church and um, the, the things, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Caleb, for leading us. Um, I just want you to know that this guy that's leading us in worship, Caleb, he, um, you know, you can hire somebody to come in and do a job, um, and that's great, but I just want you to know that the way that, that Caleb leads, um, he leads on and off the stage, and um, he's hanging out with the students, and he's playing basketball with the students, and um, so, so not only does he, he lead from up here, but just, I, I'm just grateful for how you, you've led us this weekend and just loving on these students um, beyond the stage, and um, so that's the kind of guy that we've had leading us this morning, and so, um, man, I'm so privileged to be here with you guys to be invited to join in with your Disciple Now Weekend. It's been called Take Hold Weekend, and you guys have an incredible youth minister here. You have an incredible youth minister. Praise God for Jeff and Hannah. They are just doing such a fantastic job, and I mean, the students, I'm just telling you, I... You can tell a lot about a group when, you, when you're speaking to them, and these students are hungry, and they're taking notes, and they genuinely want to know Jesus more. And the cool thing about this place is you have students that are represented in a lot of different schools. And so when they come here, you guys get to equip them and send them out for their week, and they go to different campuses, and wow, it's just so neat to see what God's doing here. And the things that I've heard about this place are so, so true and even far beyond. I mean, I've just heard how welcoming this church is and just how, um, how hungry this church is. And just getting to worship with you guys has just been a joy. Um, the joy of the Lord is here, um, and I see it in you guys. And um, the men here, I, I haven't gotten to meet everybody, but I look forward to getting to meet you guys. And just seeing how the men lead here, it's different. Like, it's different because men are leading their families different. And I just see men with their hands raised, and not that that's everything, but there's just something about your posture and how you live your lives in this church that it's just, it's different. This is a different place. And so I'm, I'm blessed just to get to be a part of this day with you guys and get to come and join in with you guys. Um, my wife, Anna, and my son, Owen, are back home. They so dearly wanted to be here, but they were unable to make it. But um, I, I get to uh, lead college students at our, at our church um, at the University of Oklahoma. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a transplant, though. So I'm from Texas, all right, if that, if that helps. Um, I, I grew up in Stephenville, Texas on a dairy farm. And so it's... Uh, it's really comical that, um, that God has me speaking to groups because um, I want to go hide in the corner on the furthest away pew so no one knows that I'm in the room. Um, and so, but I know that, that God uses us in our weakness. And so, um, so we're, we're going to dive into his word together this morning. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I'm going to put some students on the spot here. I'm going to take a swing here. But I challenged them this weekend uh, to memorize this verse. Because I said, hey, my three-year-old son knows 2 Timothy 1.7. And we, we quote it before we go to bed each night. And, and if my three-year-old son can learn a verse, then I'm, I'm pretty confident that they can learn it. We'll set the bar high because, um, you know, I think that if we have a low expectation for youth, um, then they'll, they'll, they'll rise up to that, right? Um, I think as, uh, as, as our youth minister in Norman says, uh, dumb teenagers turn into dumb adults. And, um, and, and you guys have some fantastic students here. And so we set the bar high for them. So would, would, uh, would somebody mind just 
loud and proud quoting the verse, standing up, or maybe, maybe with some friends if you know it. It's loud, so everybody can hear it. You got this. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, when, when we memorize scripture, it, it's here, and it just takes some time for it to move from here down to here. Um, and so they're going to continue to work on that and chew on that because God continues to use scripture in our life to really transform us from the inside out. And so if you're wondering, if, if you're like, okay, what's this guy really going to share with us this morning? So if you want to write one thing down and check out and leave, then, then you'll have the bottom line this morning. But I don't think anybody's going to roll out, but we'll see. Um, when we take hold of Jesus, he satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we really take hold of him, Hebrews 10, 23, it says, and let us, let's see, what does it say? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Such a powerful verse, and we dove into that this weekend, and before that, it talks about how Jesus tore the, the curtain from the top to the bottom. And so now we can enter into God's presence. We can have that relationship with him. He is someone that we can take hold of and the only one that we can take hold of without wavering because he who promised is faithful. And so this morning, we're gonna dive into Matthew chapter, not Matthew, John chapter six. Wow, it's somewhere in the Bible, right? So if you would, if you turn with me to John chapter six, we're gonna read there this morning, John chapter six. Hebrews 10, 23 has been kind of the theme verse for this weekend, and I love how you guys are investing into the next generation. College students here and youth students here, this is just an awesome place, and I love seeing adults investing into them and and getting to see that this weekend. So John chapter 6, as you're looking for it, I've got a question for you. Have you ever had a moment where someone called you by the wrong name? Have you ever had that moment? And then do you have this, this moment where you can correct them or you can kick the can down the road? We've talked about this this weekend. You know, kicking the can down the road can, you know, that can be an option, but then it's even more awkward if later on you're with your friends and someone calls, comes up to you and calls you by the wrong name and they thought it was the right name. And so in the moment, it's better just to correct, right? So As we look in John chapter 6, Jesus is going to make a statement where he says, I am the bread of life. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is with the disciples and he, he, he has this question that he asks them and he says, who do you say that I am? It's a really personal question and it's the same question that we even ask today. And it's important for everyone in here to be able to answer that question. And to answer it correctly, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And he looks at him and says, but who do you say that I am? Time Magazine has continually over the years published articles about who is this Jesus guy? 
So the question isn't really, did he exist? Because if that's really the question for, for, for you, I would say you're on the backside of the bell curve that many people um, that don't even really believe that Jesus was the son of God would, would all say that, that history really points to, and there's lots of evidence that Jesus walked the face of the earth. But the real question is, who is he? And this weekend, we, we bought some Play-Doh and we, and we had some different games with it. And you know, Jesus isn't like Play-Doh, where we form Jesus into whoever we want him to be and we take out what we don't like, like Jesus is who he is. Amen. Just like in Exodus when, when Moses comes to the burning bush and he, and he says, who should I go and tell Pharaoh that has sent me? And he says, the I am. That, that, that Jesus was, is, and always will be. And so that's who Jesus is this morning. We're gonna dive into that this morning. When we take hold of Jesus, he satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness. My main point that I'm making this morning is that the DNA of a disciple, so someone that says, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life, they're transformed from the inside out. A lot of times we try to change our behavior, but it's our heart that changes our behavior. Our behavior doesn't change our heart, and only God can change a heart, that only God can change a heart, and that's really why taking hold of Jesus is really the most important thing, and knowing who he is is the most important thing. So John chapter 6, if you guys would read with me, verses 1 and 2, I'm reading out of the ESV this morning, and it says, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So this is a really important moment. The crowd is following Jesus, and it's a large crowd because Jesus has done different things leading up to this point where there's been people that, lepers have been healed. Someone was risen from the dead. How Jesus is treating people, people are just so captivated by these signs and these wonders. And, and, and mind you, these are miracles that have, they've never seen anybody else do this. And so people are just captivated. So this large crowd is following Jesus. For us, we have the cross, right? Like we have the whole picture, the whole story. But remember, they didn't. So they're just captivated by who is this Jesus guy? And they're just following him and they're just seeing these signs and wonders take place. The thing with Jesus is people are captivated by him because his actions gave power to his words. How he treated people was so different than what they've ever seen. If you guys would read with me verses three, we'll start in verse three here. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes and then seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Verse six, and he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Verse seven, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Look at what Jesus says, verse 10. Have the people sit down. Whew. And that's a different response. 
I, I shared with the students last night, you know, I have a three-year-old son, his name's Owen, and, and my wife's name is Anna, and I'm not a great cook, okay? Ridge knows how to make it work, right? He's a five-star chef, and, and you know, for, for him it may not be a big deal, but for me, when I have like one or two people come over to my house, I'm stressed. Like if I'm, if I'm the one who's pre- supposed to prepare the meal that night, I'm stressing out, okay? This is 5,000 people that they're preparing a meal for, right? And then in that time, we know that they counted only the men. And so with women and children, you're talking 12 to potentially 20,000 people is what scholars say. That's a lot of people. I cannot imagine preparing a meal for that many people, right? So the disciples, I mean, when, you put, when we put ourselves in their, in their shoes, we think, well, why in the world? I mean, they have Jesus right there. I mean, come on. But this is, I mean, these answers are really logical answers. And Jesus asks them, what should we do to feed these people? In verse 6, it says that he said this to test them because Jesus knew what he would do. And Philip has a great answer. Probably I would be Philip in this moment where, you know, I mean, Jesus, this club cracker isn't going to feed everybody in the sanctuary right now. Like, how are we going to make this happen? So there's Philip, and then there's Andrew. And Andrew, he's not mentioned much in the Bible, but, but every time that he is, he's bringing someone to Jesus. And Andrew finds this boy, and he brings this boy to Jesus, and he has these five barley loaves and these two fish. And man, Jesus does this incredible miracle. Students know that because you're young in the room, that you're not limited, Okay? Like, God can use you to lead people, no matter what their age. And so you guys have let out this weekend. I mean, we're talking a boy with a basket, some fish and some bread. He brings it to Jesus. So if you're taking notes, what we can learn is that that God invites us into the impossible. That he invites us into these impossible moments. And so my question is, do you see a problem or do you see an opportunity? Because so many times I want a miracle, but I don't really want the mess that will require one. Like I want this miracle to happen, but man, I don't really want the mess that's going to require one. I just want the, just want the miracle to happen, right? I mean, like for instance, and you know, we all have these moments where uh, you know, for, I'll, I'll be honest and transparent with you. This last week, our dishwasher broke, okay? And there's a lot of other things. You know when like life happens all at once? Like the car breaks and it's in the shop and there's that unexpected bill and then the dishwasher goes out and just a lot of things all in like a five-day period. Um, so our dishwasher goes out and there's this moment where, I mean, if I'm gonna be honest, I was a little frustrated, like, holy, like, what, like, what, like the joke of the house is like, what else could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you know, um, and, and it, you know, hindsight, it's like, wow, that's such a silly thought process, but that's where I was at, okay? And then my wife and I are just talking, and said, okay, what, what is God trying to teach us right now? Like, I can get mad or I can like go to my knees and like open up my hands and say, okay, God, like I'm listening. <laughs> the next day, a friend of mine has no idea. He calls me and he says, hey, we have a dishwasher that like we're gonna replace at our house. It works great. We just, we're gonna upgrade one. And would you guys want it? <laughs> Now, that doesn't always happen, right? Like God works in, in all these different ways, but I'm just telling you that, that, that God works in these impossible moments if we're really just looking for it. 
And it may, it may be this huge miracle, right? I mean, the feeding of the 5,000 is this huge miracle, but sometimes it's even in the small, minute moments in life that if we just slow down, man, God invites us into these impossible moments where he really wants to show up, but it takes us slowing down and, and seeing and looking for it because he's always there because he who promised is faithful. And as Pastor Ridge shared this morning with me, I thought this was so good, but he said, you know, even when we're not faithful, he always is. And that's the God that we get to worship this morning. Let's continue to read together. John 6, 14 through 15. So Jesus, they they start feeding everyone, right? And this is what Jesus says. Let's actually, let's look at verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, so they had eaten all the way to the brim, right? He told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left from those who had eaten. I told the students last night, I'm not great at math. You don't really want me to do a, a big math problem, but that doesn't add up. You know, we had one basket, now we have 12 full. That's, well, that's a miracle, right? 14, and when the people saw the sign that they had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who's come into the world. Verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. Another interesting response from Jesus. It almost seems that Jesus does the opposite of what you would expect in so many moments. So these people see and experience this miracle. And his disciples that, I mean, great answers on, I mean, how are we going to feed these people, Jesus? They all have a to-go box, right? Each of them gets a to-go box to carry a basket with them where they go. And they want to make him king. These people, this large crowd is wanting to make Jesus king now. And so Jesus gets away to go and be with his father on the mountain. If you're taking notes, it's important for us to know this. The mission is tested with success just as much as it is with failure. Failure has a great way of humbling us, but success, when we have success, we really need to be on guard. And Jesus even had boundaries. I mean, he himself got away because he knew, I mean, imagine this. I mean, there's twelve to 20,000 people wanting to make you king. Jesus had boundaries and knew, I need to get away because this is not what I need. I need, in John four thirty four, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. And Jesus knew, I need to get away. And so even Jesus had boundaries. And with the students, we talked about him, boundaries and dating. And, you know, if, if you're working, you're in the workforce, like having boundaries with work and family. Like dads, you gotta be home with your kids. Like I've made this mistake where like I love my job. Like I love working with college students. I love ministry. But man, if my family crumbles, then I don't have a ministry. And my three-year-old son needs to know that his dad loves him and cares about him. So I need to spend time with him. 
And so we've got to have boundaries. We've got to have a 24-7 where we know what we can say yes to and what we can say no to. And that's really important. And for, for, for those of, of us that are married in the room, like even a date night, even if it's every so often, maybe you can't do it every week, but having time where you can say, man, I'm just going to really invest in my marriage. And guys, it's going to take us like really leading out in that. Like maybe you need to find a babysitter, right? And, and so it's important for us to have boundaries in our life. And I'm not here to fool you. Like I'm, I'm very imperfect. Like I wrestle with this too. So I'm, I'm with you in this, but Jesus sets these boundaries. And I think, man, if Jesus has boundaries, I probably should have some too. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one. it says this, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and man shall be tested by his praise. The crucible and a furnace, they're really hot. It's really hot in there. But with gold, you guys probably know, I mean, it, it gets pure as you heat it up and you can scrape off the, impu- you know, the impurities off the top. And in these really high, intense moments in life, you know, we're tested in who we praise, how we praise, when we're praised and when we're not praised is so important. Like when you have success, like who do you praise? When, you, when, when we fail, like who do we still praise, right? Who, who's our life about? And so the crowd didn't determine who Jesus was. The crowd didn't shake him for who he was and what his mission was. He had meekness, which is power under control. Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What Jesus is saying is that anyone inherit influence, but it takes being under God's authority and coming under his authority, which I don't really like sometimes. I don't know if you are this way or not, but I don't really like being told what to do sometimes. And when I, when I read this Bible, and there's so many good things, but there's also so many things in here that when I read it, I'm like, man, I would just, I would rather not, <laughs> you know? And that, I have to say, okay, God, help me here, because I need your help. <laughs> help me set this boundary in this way. Help me follow you in this way, because this is a challenge for me. Let's continue to look here. So if you look at verses 16 through 21, we won't dive into it. It's a sermon for another day, but, but Peter walks out on the water and the disciples have gone away. Jesus goes up on the mountain and Jesus walks out to them on the water and they're afraid. And Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. And this moment where Peter walks out on the water and you know, Peter gets a bad rap, but he's the only one that walked on the water. And a lot of us want to walk on water, but we don't want to get out of the boat. And you just can't have both. And so this is happening in verse 22. If you read 22 through 25 here, the crowd is, they're, they're looking for Jesus again, okay? And, and we don't have a lot of time where we can just read the whole chapter and dive into every piece, but can I encourage you? to read John chapter six, because look, don't just take my word for it. Like, I, I, want, I want to encourage you to read it as well, so that way you can know, like this, this guest speaker that came in didn't just say this crazy stuff, okay? Like, it's important for us to have our own faith, and so um, I really want to challenge you to read this this week. The crowd is, is looking for Jesus, and Jesus has walked out on the water. He's with the disciples in the boat about the same time period that John the Baptist has been beheaded, so Jesus is going through a lot. 
and the crowd go, they, they meet him on the other side. And there's this, there's this moment where they say this, verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? It's like this moment, like, Jesus, hey, funny running into you over here. Like, I'm a, I'm a little hungry today. Like, do you think, what do you think about like some steaks, some ribeye or some filet mignon? Like, I mean, the fish and bread was pretty good yesterday, but how about another meal? It's kind of this comical moment. And Jesus says in verse 26 here, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, because you ate your fill of the loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father, has set his seal. Verse 29, and Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who, has, who he has sent. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus says in verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 34, and they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. In verse 35, Jesus said to him, said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and who belie- whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whew. Man, underline that last verse. That's so good. I mean, these are Jesus' words. These aren't mine, and we can always grab a hold of what he says because he who promises faithful because Jesus he tells us a lot about who he is but he even shows us who he is like he doesn't just tell us but he he showed us and he shows us the way in John 14 Jesus says in verse 1 he says let not your hearts be troubled isn't that good let not your hearts be troubled believe in God and believe in me. And Jesus even says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and get you. Now think about this. Have you ever tried driving somewhere and you're just, you have no idea where you're supposed to go? Or maybe you think you know where you're supposed to go and you just cannot find that meeting place or where you have that lunch meeting or, or, or that restaurant you're supposed to meet your friend at. Um, or maybe you're on vacation, you're trying to find the specific place. Has anybody had trouble finding a place before when they're driving? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me in John 14, 6. We have a God that loves us so much that like, he sent his son Jesus down to the earth to live the life so perfectly to show us what God on earth looks like. Who God on earth looks like. He gives us the example to follow. He goes to the cross to pay a price that none of us could pay. And we talked last night with the students about this moment of you get the bill at the restaurant or you go to check out at Walmart and you realize, oh no, I don't have my wallet. Right? We've all been there. That moment of, oh my goodness, like I can't pay that price. 
And the amazing thing is that God knew that we couldn't pay the price, and that's why Jesus came. And not only did he die, but he conquered death victoriously. Is at God's right hand. And so for us, like Jesus is preparing a place for, for not only for me and for some people in the room, but, but for everybody. Like he, he has a place prepared for you. And I don't have to figure out, like, how do I get to that place? Like, Jesus is even coming back to get us, to take us there. Isn't that amazing? There's no guesswork. He removes the guesswork for us in our life. So what can we learn about this crowd and and how Jesus is interacting with them? They missed it. They missed what the miracles revealed. Because they wanted the gifts, but Jesus is the gift giver. And he's like, guys, you're, the problem is if I, if I make you fish tacos today, you're just going to want more tomorrow because you're going to absorb that food and then you're going to be hungry again. He's saying, you're missing it. If it's to fill your stomach or to be satisfied in the things of this world, you're going to come up short every single time. But when you eat me, the bread of life, it'll change your life. It'll change how you do your marriage. It'll change how you date. It'll change how you treat your kids. Not that we're perfect. We constantly need him, right? But he transforms us from the inside out. For your life looks different. Because I can't just make these habit changes. Like, I need God's help. Because it'll never change my heart. I'll just be this empty shell that looks good. But really, I'm, I'm empty inside. Because I'm, I, I don't know Jesus. He's the bread of life. Let's look at John 6, 47 through 48 here. This is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And there's this really harsh statement that Jesus says here. In verse 53, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. This is a really harsh teaching during that time. I mean, you've got the, the Pharisees that are around. You have all these people that are thinking, Jesus, who are you to be able to like really make this faith claim? Like, who are you to be able to say this? And Jesus isn't referring to cannibalism. So there's like this moment where they're kind of probably confused. And what is he really truly saying here? And people quit following him in this moment. Look, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and of life. So there's this moment where, I mean, remember, these people have seen Jesus do these miracles. These people have, I mean, they can shake hands with Jesus. Okay, so if, if you're in the room and you would say, man, I just, you know, maybe this church just really isn't your thing. You're here this morning. You'd say, man, I would believe in God if I could see God. Like if I could just see him, man, I would believe. I'm just telling you, no, you wouldn't. 
Because these people, I mean, they interacted with Jesus. They, they could shake his hand. They could talk with him like face to face. And these people still missed it. And that's what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I'm the bread of life. Like you're missing, like I can, I can feed you, but, but I will be the solution to every problem you ever have. And the deepest yearning of your soul, like I satisfy, but there's, there's no other way other than through me. I mean, these people saw Jesus. And so what I would encourage you this morning, if, if you're on the side of, man, I just don't know if he's real, it, it will take this moment of like taking a step across the line. Just like at, some of you have kiddos that run track or maybe you ran track yourself. But there's this moment where everyone lines up, right? And I'm not gonna do it because I'm not an athlete. You don't wanna see me line up here on the stage. But you're, you're lined up and the gun goes off, right? And then what happens? They run, right? I mean, the race begins. So there's no question on if you have started the race. And so if you're in the room and you're really wondering, I don't know if I've started the race of the faith, like the gun, like the gun goes off and you run. And so if you're here and, and, and you're not sure, man, I don't know if I've ever towed the line and, and, and taken that first step, I'm just telling you that even if you had God before you face to face, it wouldn't be enough. It, it takes faith. It takes a faith step. But if you haven't done that, we'll have an invitation time here in just a minute. And I want to encourage you to come forward. Pastor Ridge will be up here. We would love to get the privilege of getting to talk with you about that. Because man, how sad to go through your whole life thinking that you're feeding on something that satisfies and it turns out it never did. That Jesus is the only one that satisfies. That God initiates, but we must participate. And verse 66 here, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Look at this. This is a powerful moment. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There's this moment where the crowd, they leave. And that Jesus was not, his his success was not based off of the crowd. His success was based off of his obedience to his Father. And he was sharing truth with these people. I mean, this is a moment where his ministry is at the peak. He has so many people around him. And his disciples, Simon Peter, I mean, you're like, think through this. Simon Peter just saw Jesus gather thousands upon thousands of people. And in a moment, everybody leaves. That's power. Because Jesus was not determined. He he didn't deter because of the crowds. The crowds didn't determine what Jesus was going to do. Because Jesus knew who his father was and he wanted to be obedient to him, he took hold of that. And Simon Peter saw, wow, this guy's powerful. I want to follow you. I want that. Like, I want you. You're the bread of life. The DNA of the disciple 
is built on Jesus Christ himself, and it's not through the false promise of fame and of success and of money and all these things. And, and so why does this matter as, as we're coming to a close here? Why, why does what we're talking about matter? Because there, some of you are in this season and some of you are not, but there will be a point in your life where you're gonna have a three-year-old son looking at you in the eyes and he's gonna want somebody to lead him somewhere. And it's important for you to be able to take hold of Jesus because he'll show you the way. And he's right there with you. And even in your failures, he's right there with you. And it's important to place our life under this Jesus that is the bread of life. Because just like when we eat something, like when we all go to lunch here in a little bit, when we go and eat that food, to some of you youth guys, you know, you don't really have to worry about this anymore. Now, when I go and eat, some of this food turns into some muscle and some of it turns into some things that I don't want, you know? Like my pants don't quite fit like they used to kind of thing. When we ingest Jesus and we take hold of him, he transforms us from the inside out. That food breaks down and it partners with your DNA and it changes you. So if you're a mom in the room wondering, how do I leave, how do I, how do I, how do I answer these questions that my kiddos are asking me? Or your dad in the room, and you're wondering, how do I leave my family? What do I do? These big like life questions, right? Or students, your, your campus, how, how do you navigate through this world that we live in? How do you someday be a great mom, a great dad? Jesus, he says, I'm the bread of life. Feed on me. And I'll show you the way. And I'll transform you from the inside out. Take hold of me. Right? Like Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast. <sighs> let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. For he who promised is faithful. I'm going to pray. And the band's going to lead us. And if you have any questions, if you're in the room and you would say, man, I am just really wrestling in my marriage. I'm just really wrestling with leading my family. If that's you, and you just need some prayer, I, I'm not here to bother you. I'm, I'm going to be up front, and Pastor Ridge is going to be up front. If you need somebody to pray with you, or a deacon, you guys have an incredible church body here. And ask somebody to pray with you. I mean, this is a moment where we have to put our pride at the floor and just say, I need Jesus. And you may say, man, this has been such a victorious season in life. Remember, in success, we're tested too. And so, man, maybe today you just want to lift your hands and say, praise God for how he has just been at work in my life. But look, wherever we're at, the great thing with the faith is there's always another step. We never arrive, and Jesus always wants us to take another step with him in faith no matter what season we're in. And so I want to just encourage you to leave differently this morning than when you came in. And that's through us opening up our hands and saying, God, I need you. I need you to work in my life and show me the way. So let's take hold of Jesus together this morning. And as we sing, let's lift up our voices in praise. And if you need some prayer, you'd like to come forward, make a decision, we'll be up front. So if you guys would pray with me. Father, you're good. And... I just thank you that you're the bread of life. 
that you satisfy any hunger and thirst that we have, Lord, that, that you transform us from the inside out, that we can look to you, that you remove the guesswork, that whatever we wrestle with in life, Lord, you are always right there with us, and I'm so, so grateful. If someone needs to make a decision this morning, Lord, would you just give them confidence, know that you're right there with them that you see us where we're at. You're right there. You see us where we're at, Lord. And I'm grateful for that, Lord. And we look to you. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.